Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You know who you are. Title of, of, title of the Dharma talk today is Nothing Lasts, and this is just part of the three marks of existence, <clears throat> impermanence, uh, suffering, and uh, no self, anatta, or egolessness, no, no solid being anywhere. So that's good news and bad news. You probably knew that. So the no, nothing lasts idea I want to emphasize a little bit because anything that shows up is going away. And this includes your negative thoughts, negative feelings, your whatever, depression, on and on, however you want to characterize how you feel. So the whole idea of, uh, of there being something that lasts forever or eternity uh, is a, a little fishy, but yet it's a concept that, since it is a concept it, uh, and it does point in a particular direction, we could we could look at that. We could take a look. <clears throat> does something actually continue? And does it need to, in the, in the sense of I, well, I hope this lasts, or I hope that I hope that goes away, which is another kind of wanting something to last, wanting something to not be there anymore. and the not being there anymore, wanting that to last. <laughs> so sometimes people try to create that situation through their sitting practice of meditation, try to find some kind of stability and then anchor themselves into that. A lot of the teachings are based on stabilizing the mind. I don't particularly approach it that way. I say, look at the chaos, watch the movement, see what's coming and going. If you want to see, if you want to have, if you want to have a sense of balance or equanimity, it seems to me necessary to look at everything else. Everything is out of whack. <clears throat> uh, to, to use a simple met metaphor, uh, a surgeon isn't going to come in uh, and work on you and look for something that doesn't need surgery. I know, it's a weak metaphor, but it's all I've got. So this, uh, actually this, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I was going to do a Mountains and Rivers until Unio read this uh, email from uh, uh, Chris Sims in the UK. Uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because he's, he's quite, uh, uh, has a lot to say here. But he's saying, assuming the Buddha after enlightenment or any individual after enlightenment is given a choice of whether to let their human body die or to have their human body or some robotic equivalent. <laughs> I like that. Uh, continue as if there's a robotic equivalent to to uh, to non-existence. Uh, continue. Uh, which would they choose? So the, here's all of the assumptions that Chris is dealing with. And we all deal with is <clears throat> is uh, uh, what is continuation? What does continue? What what is uh, the very the very the very spontaneous appearance of objects within the, the mind stream are are discontinuous they're they don't perpetuate themselves necessarily uh but but witnessing that uh can cause us because we cling to some kind of uh self or illusion of a self uh, we want to stabilize that so um the whole idea or the assumption there is that somehow the buddha's physical form is uh, uh 
perhaps should be or could be, or that would be of great benefit to preserve that. <clears throat> I don't know. And I don't know what the Buddha would say. And all of the assumptions around that are so powerful. Uh, what is enlightenment? My understanding of enlightenment as I look uh, in that direction as a Dharma teacher is it's uh, less and less and less of what you think this is and more and more and more of what you think this is. So it, it is contradictory, yes, but there is no other way to describe or to relate to uh, what we're going through, what we're experiencing as human beings, all the pluses and minuses and and so on, without by just describing it relatively, it miss it misses something. It kind of dies on the spot. So this is why the uh, in the ancient traditions, the the koan tradition in China and Japan of some kind of a logical puzzle that would give you a headache. <clears throat> but perhaps uh, trigger you or cause you to look more deeply into a, any any of your relative assumptions about anything. Enlightenment being one of them. <clears throat> So it's a very simple situation uh, to say what what does last, what is lasting, and in in each of our experiences, we can notice <clears throat> there seems to seems to be some kind of continuity of a disturbance. Sometimes we, we call it depression or anxiety that seems to uh, quite often be uh, you could say groundless or uncaused, or it just seems to arise, comes out of nowhere, and uh, and it's uh, difficult or challenging, and then we try to maybe medi maybe medicate ourselves or go to the doctor or who, who can actually help us find the cause of this so we can turn it off <clears throat> or deal with it. <clears throat> so relative truth uh, is very accommodating in being relative. Uh, it, it's very obvious that this uh, moving through space causes that. So uh, that being the case, as if you've heard me say several times, we, we get trapped by the apparent cause and effect of very simple uh, dynamics that are going on in our uh, body, speech, mind, and in the six uh, uh, six sense fields, and uh, including the mind. We, we get enamored of that because of the imputation or the belief or the... Uh, <clears throat> The assumption that there, because this body-mind complex all comes together and seems to function as a, a discrete entity, moving through a house, uh, going to work, coming home, putting on clothes, we go to sleep, we totally vanish. We go to sleep. I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, there, there's no continuity of uh, of an ego happening there. I'm not saying a self-centeredness of sorts doesn't show up. I don't know what your dreams are like, but uh, I, when this when this uh, situation goes to sleep. Uh, anything can happen. Any any body mind complex can show up as a, of course, as an astral body. But nothing lasts. Nothing. Anything you can find uh, will not continue. And so, for uh, when uh, Chris was asking about the Buddhas <clears throat> with the Buddha, and he even says he he's quite talkative. He says, "Put yourself in the Buddha's shoes." And so I have to start with right. He wore shoes. So, I mean, I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you can't really put yourself, uh, what is it, what do they say, uh, walk, 
walk in my moccasins or something like that. And they're just uh, ways of talking about it to help us look at uh, this person's experience, my experience, the other person's experience, the experience of, uh, of any kind of uh, conscious entity is going to be vastly different than everyone else's. So th there's no way I could think of what particularly know what the Buddha uh, would would do or whether he would want to live uh, another 80 years or thousands of years or <clears throat> and I assume he's talking about the physical person the, the Buddha in ancient times 2500 years ago dealing with the society and the people and, and all of these students that he had uh, and so on and would he want to continue he might there might be some kind of relative situation going on but what he understood what he awoke to as I understand it Is there was no desire for something else that everything that he saw was just what it was it was not not some kind of separate situation that was coming and going when his holiness uh the 16th yawa karmapa and, and uh, when he passed away passed into parinirvana <clears throat> in uh, 1981 near chicago uh, he said to the vajra regent ursul tenzin when he was a uh, dying there maybe his last words i don't know but he said to uh the vajra regent uh nothing uh happens nothing happens and so he wasn't particularly dying or denying relative truth but he was just saying fundamentally ultimately he was endeavoring to help the regent as i understand it see that even though the regent was crying was upset because his holiness was passing away that he was trying to say if you were to say it in a sentence, you know, fundamentally nothing is really happening. There is change coming and going, but that which is changing is not separate. It is ultimate truth, relative truth, not two different things, but you have to see relative truth. You have to see the, in, in, in the constant change. And the other thing that happens that gets in the way of seeing the constant change and, and see that it, it is actually the reality. It is ultimate. But you can't, you have to, you have to, I can be um, a little bit, talk about it in a, a little bit more um, um, <clears throat> imaginative way and say, you have to see that you're not separate from that situation. I wasn't going to say merge with it, but that's sometimes talked about. And I think that's, you know, you can't merge with something you already are. You just have to stop covering up your, your true identity. And how do we do that? Look at the falsehood, look at the confusion. The very thing that often people, when they sit down to meditate, they immediately want to stop their thoughts. I can't stop my thoughts. I say, you don't have to stop your thoughts. But I feel like crap. You don't have to stop feeling crap like crap. Well, then why would I meditate? So you can stop feeling like crap. But I'm not stopping. I'm not, I haven't stopped feeling like crap. So maybe I'm doing it wrong. No, you're doing exactly right. That's what, that's what the, that's what the surgeon looks at is to, to remove the cancer. So just say it literally. And what you're doing is seeing there isn't one. There is no separate situation happening. And so even, even, uh, uh, even the idea of change, if seen fundamentally, nothing actually occurs. Another way of saying that is everything that occurs, everything that seems to come and go and appear and show, show up and go away and run away and come back is an illusion it's a dream 
that's not something for me to believe or for, for uh, uh, Chris Sims uh, to believe or for you to believe. But it's something you could you could actually look at that in your when you sit down and look at what's coming and going. Do nothing with it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract. Don't judge that. And don't turn away or distract yourself from it. And if you do any one of those three, then just observe that. So don't go to war with war. Don't go to, don't add conflict uh, to conflict by, by fighting with it. And also don't necessarily, and this is the, the, some of the questions, if you have them around this, I will try to respond in a way that's helpful. You, you don't have to uh, ignore it. You don't have to accept it. Accepting negativity is uh, just, just observe because then you, you turn into this wonderful acceptor uh, because it works. I mean, it works to accept the situation. But it, it, it starts to fluff up that part of the ego that's been waiting for a credential just around the corner. Say, if you keep going this way, if you keep looking at uh, nothing in particular and everything in general, I can't live here. There's no oxygen for me. But if you start accepting things, ah, then I could come in as the one who accepts things. If you follow me, if you don't follow me, you could at least consider it. The, the, go ahead, please. I was wondering if when you, we say nothing lasts, um, do our predispositions towards certain emotions like anger or irritation, will those not last as well? <clears throat> uh, I think it would vary uh, sometime, uh, through uh, a lot of meditation practice. Uh, if someone who starts out, as I did, being very, very angry and uh, having a lot of difficulty, I won't go into that. But, uh, but that's backed off considerably. It's still, when it shows up, it just doesn't, as I say it, I don't mean this as some kind of a magical uh, concept happening. It just doesn't happen to a solid being anymore. There's still someone here. There's still someone functioning. There's still passion, aggression, and ignorance. But there's no solid identity that is taking the blame or is taking credit or is running away. Uh, and and that is... Uh, uh, not much is happening there. But if something does happen, this is what I want to be clear on. If something does happen, it's not seen as the opposite of something not happening. The whole positionality that is the agenda of the self or of ego, we got to get somewhere. Well, we can't let this happen. Well, this shouldn't, and that should, and this shouldn't, and that shouldn't. And we, the, the politics of experience are extremely uh, magnetic and, and seductive. Because any little area that you are in your particular sensorium in your uh, through your if we use the the the, the alevijnana the seventh and eighth uh, 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 eighth consciousness of the alia and the seventh consciousness or that klesha mind that that area that is paranoid and wants this but doesn't want that and is worried about this and constantly uh, buys into the the five sense fields and uses those as cohorts along with the six to create somebody who does, doesn't like that or somebody who needs to stop this. Uh, it's called ego or narcissism. So by observing that, uh, if, if you look for some kind of result, then we're right back to, to a, a spiritual materialism, trying to create some kind of otherness that is better than this. And this is already the Buddha. So back to Chris's uh, 
a question. The, there's there's no way the Buddha, what what the Buddha, the value of the Buddha can go away because it hasn't appeared. And that is your birthright. There's no guarantee of anything. You don't need a guarantee. That's cheap. We're not talking about a merchandising mentality, although we occasionally use those metaphors. <clears throat> so the, the, as we well, are asking the question, the way I would respond uh, uh, is like this. I would say that, that the feeling may back off as a, as a, uh, the, uh, the subject object relationship, the object of that feeling that I'm having, uh, that feeling subject that I or object that I'm having subject, that polarity tends to get shaky. <clears throat> and uh, one of the ways that it shows up is what the subject when it starts to disintegrate, one of the things that can show up, and it's here again, it's not not true with everyone, is the what you're looking at and that which is looking at it that they they uh, they start to lose their their positionality, their location. They they begin to lose their location as otherness. Uh, from the point of view of subject, the otherness would be the object would be the otherness would be the subject. And those tend to start to come apart because they are held together by the force of, of samsara, karma, passion, aggression, ignorance, pushing, pulling. This happens and that happens. And if this happens, then that's going to happen. <clears throat> certain certain uh, things happen in the sky in terms of, of temperature uh, and, and humidity and uh, clouds and everything. It's going to rain. There's other things, uh, causes and conditions happen where the, the clouds go away and the sun uh, comes out. The sun doesn't come out. The sun's always there. It's very similar uh, as a metaphor. The, the, the radiance of your uh, Buddha nature is, is behind the clouds. <clears throat> and so it's about what? Not removing clouds because then you're removing concepts about clouds. The actual clouds, you're not separate from. You are the, you are the very confusion you're trying to get rid of. And you're also the very awakening that you're trying to realize. Not, the not separation goes... Uh, as they say, it's turtles all the way down. And it's just a way of saying, you're not going to be able to discover this, understand this through a relative uh, way of approaching it. That being said, you have to do it anyway. You have to study. You have to look at the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and the Chain of Existence, the Six Realms, the Three Realms. Look at all these metaphors and use them to uh, help support your uh, body mind complex the whole sensorium bring that to the, to the bring that to stillness and silence and watch what continues to move and chatter because that is the very nature of that is the confusion that is causing your uh, life to be more difficult <clears throat> or causing you trouble and and besides all, everything i'm saying here it is also if you go deeper into this uh, it, it is completely vast. You can't find the end of this uh, universe. You can't find the source of your particular one feeling of negativity come up, coming up. You cannot find a solid source. You can settle for a cause three days ago where somebody triggered something. But the original negativity is just being triggered over and over and over by our interrelationship with the relative situation, relative world. <clears throat> of thinking there's some kind of reality that we can do here. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't put gas in your lawnmower. It's not particularly magic. Questions are good if you have more.
Regent Chiavelli. A question from Raphael in New York. Yes. I once had a moment where the fact of the words, nothing happens and nothing lasts, really struck. And it was so crystal clear. I had a visceral reaction to it. But immediately it made me feel like I was having a panic attack. Like the fact of nothing happens or any of these ideas was too strong to see and sit with. Is that a normal reaction or was I just lost in thoughts? Well, it's a really normal re reaction for an, an abnormal person, but it's not so normal or abnormal for a normal person. So which one are you? And uh, of course, uh, it's a normal reaction. People, if you start to get flashes of emptiness, this isn't like, oh, let's celebrate. Everything is empty of what I used to think it was. It's more like if this keeps going on like this, this could be absolutely devastating for my uh, apparent, apparently a balanced uh, mind. It functions differently with everyone because the causes and conditions, which are, you know, if I were going to count them, I'd say 30 tr trillion, if you need a number. Uh, those are the things that are behind your personality, whether it's uh, Sokaran or Mike or Wendy or or uh, Katie. The, everything that's happening to you right now is uh, as, a, as, a, as a particular experience or something that's showing up for you. Uh, the source for that is you can't find it. You, you can find sources but they're all are aligned with something else. And then this happened and that happened and this happened. And all you have to do for, uh, for that, the, the leading edge of that emotion to surface uh, through that membrane we call memory is to have somebody trigger it. And then it, in order for you to deal with it, rather than be responsible, the ability to respond clearly and honestly, in order for you to be respond, not blame, or, and, uh, so you can respond so you're responsible for your feelings. No one's pouring a bucket of emotion into you. Someone comes up. They may have a scowl on their face. They may intend to hurt you. They may be feeling grouchy and would like to dump those negative feelings they're having on you. So they start out. And then that resonates with the leading edge of the, those uh, tributary streams flowing in the darkness that are countless and that do not show up, do not support a self if you see it. If you don't see it, then it feels like something is supporting me and something is threatening me, threatening me. And I think it's that guy. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't feel this way. Well, that's probably true. If it weren't for, for the earth, there wouldn't be trees. There might be trees, but they have the roots in the air. So cause and effect, cause and effect. Uh, you can watch the cause and effect. You can look at the karma. But when you, when you think this causes that uh, and, and want to somebody to pay up. Uh, I don't care who they are. It's not, uh, it's, it's not complete is what I'm saying. <clears throat> so therefore it needs to be very necessary to look deeply into that. And when you start to look deeply into that, nothing happens and, uh, and nothing lasts are two of the things that start to show up. And when they show up to, uh, to a self that is still uh, bought into or believed into, then the fear starts to show up because that self feels threatened by those ideas. And it, it should feel threatened because it's uh, the, that's the death knell of uh, ego or narcissism is that nothing happens 
and and anything that apparently happens that you've just referred to as not happening uh, won't last. So you're uh, existentially, you you know, even being French won't help you. Son, <laughs> Ho bowing. Go ahead. If we know that if we know that suffering is born of wanting things to be different than they are, but you go into prisons to help people with prisoner rights, can you say a bit about that? Yes, you meet you meet things where they are. People show up on the Zoom screen. I teach. Uh, I um, people uh, invite me. Invited me. My goodness, when was it? Back in the late nineties in Minneapolis. To will you come into uh, prison and teach meditation? And I remember my idea about it at the time. I'm not sure if this is responding to your question or not. But at the time, I thought, why would I do that? And then the person inviting me said, well, they they want somebody to teach meditation. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll, that seems like an odd place for somebody to want that. But it's a perfect place. I mean, those are, uh, you know, thought balloons from the hell realm. Help us. So it's not so much about you being helpful. That's really none of your business. It's about your intention to save all beings. Put others before yourself. You don't have to do anything else. As long as your attitude is to save all beings, help others, then that will show up as it needs to, because then you're no longer denying relative truth. You are, you could say, even harmonizing yourself with dependent origination. You no longer have to be a special person. You no longer have to be a, a, be noticed for all of your good qualities. And, you, and the, the, the beautiful music you've composed doesn't necessarily have to be acknowledged. I mean, it's nice if it is. You also don't go the other way and say, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, you also wouldn't say, yes, I'm a great book composer. It's about time you noticed what I've been doing. So it's, uh, it's again, middle way. You notice that, but it doesn't, it doesn't find a, a, a dense area of the consciousness we call a self that wants, that's greedy, that wants its way. So by going into the prison and seeing human beings trapped in a, in a hell realm, not of their own doing, it's not, there's no blame there. There, there. there are causes and conditions that arise. That just happens to be the leading edge of their tributary streams flowing in the darkness. You could go in and say, uh, as a, a story I've often told, I can't remember the fellow's name, Afro-American man, went, uh, young, young man at 15, because his family was collapsing, he found his family in a gang and they robbed a party store. Somebody died. Uh, he wasn't even the one that shot them, but he, last time I talked to him, he was still in prison. He'd been in there. He was in his forties. So you do the math. And, and, and you could see talking to him for a few minutes, you could say, this guy should not be in here. I mean, from the relative thing of the world and the, and his family and his mom, and his life is just destroyed by a, 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 Causes and conditions that arise as an unexamined structure we call society and rules and laws and everything. You know, I know, and, and uh, uh, Asanjo is studying law right now. So that's where one of those questions is com coming from. And of course, that's a difficult area. We had a discussion uh, yesterday about that because the way they operate there is a, they have to have this and that. They have to have solid uh, forms. Their forms do not breathe. 
forms will not breathe until you see that forms are empty. As long as you think the form is this form is real and that form is not real, then you're going to be uh, uh, either on, on the intense side, uh, uh, an oligarch, or on the softer side, uh, a Democrat. Sorry. Sure, no. Yeah, please. How is helping someone none of my business if the intention is to save all beings or meet people where they are? I didn't follow the first part of the question, Ashoka. Uh, earlier you said uh, helping someone is none of your business. Yeah. So what is, uh, how is being someone none of my business if the intention is to save all beings? So you just meet, you meet, you know, I'll paint a little bit of a picture. You meet the person where they're at, you interact with them, you receive what they're saying. <clears throat> and even though uh, you, what I'm saying, it's none of your business, I'm saying you, it's your intention. You do what you need to do in that relative situation as far as you can see. But mind your own business. Don't be telling people things without their permission. More than just, yeah, help me, but actually see. You won't be able to see that unless you've really examined your own mind. If you still have areas of your own mind that are, that are uh uh, cloudy or are shut off because of your own personal fear of seeing uh, emptiness, then it's going to be difficult for you. That's why it's called a practice. That's why you need uh, this uh, structure of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, so you can have a teacher uh, that will meet you where you're at and help you where you're at, rather than just tell you what to do and order you around. And also a Sangha that you can relate to that's not going to let you off the hook. Uh, the Sangha, I'm sure you've noticed, you, any of you who relate to the Sangha, notice some people in the Sangha, easy, wonderful, pleasing, wonder, you know, just wonderful people to be around, and some people are aggravating, irritating, and they're all trying to realize their true nature, if, especially if it's this particular Sangha. So it's none of your business in the sense that uh, cause and effect, you're not in business to get results, you're in business to you're, you're, it's not a business. You're, you're doing this to save all beings. And that means give everything. You have to find out, you have to meet the, the all beings where they are, are. So you have to receive. And if you're receiving, and let's, let me be very literal about it. If you're, if you're on receive, you're probably receiving uh, four or 5,000 uh, um, aspects uh, moment by moment. They're just flooding you. And then the ego mind will put those together and get an agenda or get a cause and effect or right or wrong or up and down, back and forth and invest in this, but not invest in that. Or don't pay any attention to her because uh, she's not treating me with respect. So I'm not going to help her. Or this person over here is actually criticizing me, giving me a hard time. I'm just trying to help them. How many times has your mother said to you, well, I'm just trying to help you or I'm I'm just doing what's good for you as they whack you. Maybe you didn't have that experience. So meeting everything where it's at means that you also meet your, your, uh, the, the, the open space that is always going to be there. Uh, ego would call it uncertainty or insecurity, but wisdom mind just, it's just space. It's just space. And uh, if it does have a form, it is called respect, respect the confusion of others. Even if that confusion is showing up as not liking you or being full of anger 
or, or showing up in your mind stream as a really difficult, challenging or threatening person. You could say, give it some room or see the space that is, uh, that is uh, um, not separate from the very, very uh, anger that is arising. It's always spacious. So it's none of your business and uh, uh, to go in and try to change that into something better. No improvement projects. If you have a project, the project is awareness. See clearly. And, th and that way, the self-centeredness begins to lose uh, its nutrition because it's, you're just unreceived. And what you're receiving is what? Relative truth in its purest form, which is this causes that, causes that, causes that, causes that, causes that, causes that, causes that. You can't keep track of it. And if you try to keep track, uh, you'll find out what? You can't keep track of it. That's kind of what meditation is about, watching what comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes. And then eventually, eventually, there's no guarantee here, no promises, but eventually, if you watch what comes with no no acceptance, if you watch what goes with no clinging, and if, and if you watch what uh, uh, just hangs out or shows up with no ignorance, if you do that, you begin to see the vast, open spaciousness of your mind that is uh, brought into consciousness through the forms that come and go and come and go called dependent origination. Then you begin to see that, that nothing is separate from anything else and everything is from the point of view of understanding is totally harmonious. This doesn't mean there isn't warfare is going on because there's, there's a confusion about the nature of this. And there's a, there's the shrinking into a self who has a weapon and the shrinking into a, a self who's running away. See what is true and you won't do much. But if you do do something, it'll, it will be, it will have, a, uh, it will have, a, I, I can't think of a relative word. If you, if you do move into it, it will be part of a, of a huge matrix. Even the Buddha uh, was moving uh, as his body went away. It was moving into this incredible matrix. How is that showing up relatively? Right here. It's, it's called a bloodline. And even if uh, the bloodline is completely cut, it will, it will come back because it's not, it's not tied to a, a relative success or failure, even life or death. Michael Bowen. Yes. When, <clears throat> when someone's mad at you, when someone's mad at you, what is the difference between accepting that and receiving that? If you're accepting it, you're you're temp you're uh, trying to kind of tamp down your reaction to it so you don't react and so that you can just accept it and you just be with that or accept that. I'm not saying that some of that couldn't happen, and maybe for some people that might be exactly what needs to happen. But I would say, as a the way that I talk about it, if you can. If you can just observe, just receive that. If you just receive it and there's no uh, no validating it, uh, there's no rejecting it, and there's no shutting down, then it's just energy. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have a personal charge to it because it isn't like you've left your human form and are now a, a, a great blue heron. It just, and, and the other person is a, a, 
a bunch of trees that the heron runs into. I mean, it's, I'm just using relative images to say that it's it's a very simple a karma is just this happens and that happens and this happens and that happens. It's that simple. And then we impute the personality because we think we are something because, uh, you know, we have a red shirt on. Nobody else does. I like red shirts, by the way. Can I have that red shirt? Yes, I've got another. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I asked you. <laughs> ah, you could keep it. I would only take it if it was your last one. <laughs> you know, the old shirt off your back kind of thing. So what I'm coming back to is it's important to examine what is moving so that you in your mind stream uh, can slowly begin to or speedily, stop fighting with yourself. Stop covering up your own Buddha nature. You are the Buddha. You're the Buddha now. So uh, going back to uh, uh, Chris Sims' uh, question, uh, the, the Buddha's, if the Buddha's realization is anything like it appears over here, since you're asking me the question, you probably want to hear my response. And my response is, Buddha has never died. The Buddha has not been born. There was a physical form that showed up as a Siddhartha Gautama 2,500 years ago, approximately. And uh, and that comes and goes. I don't think he was concerned about that. Uh, the life and death, this has been going on. Birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. It's happening to all of you. And, and to try to take a particular lifetime and turn it into a robot or just uh, uh, not accusing you. Uh, uh, you, uh, Chris, or anyone, but that that whole idea of of, of continuity is a uh, is a, is dependently risen. Dependent continuity is not going to happen. <laughs> no, it might for a few hundred thousand years, but that's not much. Sample bowing. I suppose I'll jump in. Uh, given this continuous identity, is there any point in holding anyone accountable for anything that? We think they've done some about it. Yes, I think you can hold someone accountable uh, using your words, but that accountability uh, has to be just that, nothing else. There's no, there's no uh, consequences. Now, of course, you're, you're a lawyer, or you will be uh, an attorney. So your situation, you're dealing with something else. You have to find a way to work with your, uh, with your um, awareness practice, uh, so that you can. Um, be observant of that particular uh, structure and also work with the structure of society. And I'm sure I know you can do that. I have no doubt But holding somebody accountable uh, as a way, it, the way it looks like you're talking about it uh, and like not like letting them off the hook kind of thing is have a, have a, you know, it's a variable depending on who it is and where it is and how old they are and what your relationship is to them. And whether it's your partner or whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your boss or your coworker, or, or somebody in a courtroom, which you were, which you were describing to me, I think yesterday. Um, insofar as you can uh, meet people's confusion, and it might be showing up something they did that 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 you're referring to. They need to be held accountable for that. There are ways to do that by actually including them in that accountability, and, and maybe not. There are some people that are so <laughs> unaccountable that they're 
you can't even have that. But I'm thinking that there could be a way that you could be. And this is an important thing that I say often. Respect people's confusion. Don't necessarily go in with your ideas or your judgments, your evaluations on top of it. If that happens spontaneously, then it's an awareness practice. Just be aware that you're uh, what biased. Be aware that you're prejudiced. You're actively being prejudiced against someone who did something, but you've not really looked into the causes and conditions that created that. Our court system is full of that kind of, uh, you know, letter of the law thing. And all letter of the law things. We need to keep this as far away from the spiritual realm as possible. There's too much subjectivity there. So we need to not let it go into that. Whereas the aliens have totally solved that problem. They no longer have uh, issues like that. But that's for a later, a later talk. I see uh, uh, Takudo is joining us. Takudo is my son, Mason. Further questions? You said something about the original negativity being triggered. What is the original negativity? <clears throat> so uh, I don't recall exactly how what the context was, but it's the idea that the the negativity that that you have been uh, uh, you have built a shelter for. Uh, and is is not bo- no longer bothering you anymore. That that original negativity comes along in the form of someone else's words, uh, a trigger. Someone else's actions, a trigger. Uh, uh, just the interaction. Uh, it's just it's just more relative truth. It's just that we believe it. We buy into it. We think what is happening is actually occurring to some as a, a separate thing happening to someone. And this is a misunderstanding of pratyajasamutpada or dependent origination. It's it's. And you can't understand that uh, as something you've sorted out and now you've figured it out. The actual understanding of that will not show up. It will show up conceptually for a while. And there are some teachers, scholars, and so on. They're extremely good at dis, uh, at uh, unpacking that. Uh, not teach, just teachers from this uh, from uh, ancient times, but from present current times. So it's about seeing that the very emotion that you that you are that is showing up has been triggered. If I understand your question uh, is actually not, it's just dependently risen. Uh, we add the personality, we add the subjectivity. It, we, it's my feeling. I'm the one who's, if they hadn't said or done, am I near to what you're asking about or did I miss it? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for the question. Trace about, Oh, go ahead. Katie. Thank you. Teresa Bowen. Um, in, in sitting with negative um, emotions and such, um, I seem to often get too harsh with it and try to sit with it. Um, but it feels very... Um, artificial to try and be friendly or kind the whole idea of being friendly with an enemy uh, i follow you what's your question i follow you i follow what's your question my question is my question is how to find the middle way of um working with um, Uh, forget forget the middle way emotions 
uh, not that we should forget the middle way, but let's let's wait for the middle, middle way to show up to us so we can see, ah, this is the middle way, rather than try to find a middle way. Finding a middle way is a very, very, uh, very nature of uh, polarity is try to find how am I going to find the middle way? I've got to balance all you know, all these angels with all these shitholes over here. And that's what it becomes a, some kind of a project for us. And you don't have to do that. But I would say be very direct with it, Teresa. If, if you're having a lot of negativity, get up off the cushion, go for a walk, walk in the sunshine. Uh, read read some something that's been inspiring to you. Actually, uh, uh, don't don't force that kind of situation. Yes, I have something set up called block sitting. That's four hours of solid sitting. But that's not a requirement. It's just a recommendation. And that recommendation is not just sit down, strike the bell, and sit there for four hours. It's sit down, sit down, strike the bell, and then four hours later, ring the bell again. That is the form. We use time as a form. And then if you can, based on your practicing Buddhism, your practicing meditation, as much as you can without a struggle, sit still and look at the wall. But everything that is moving is fair game. This is usually not taught unless they do walking meditation or some some other uh, uh, approach that I don't particularly teach. But sit down, hold still, watch what moves in its in its uh, uh, minutia. In other words, thought patterns, thought patterns, thinking, thinking, feeling bad, feeling like crap, uh, feeling worse, getting a little bit better, but now feeling worse again. What am I doing wrong? Feelings. What am I doing wrong? Is there another way I can do this? Should I, is there something else I should study? Should I be go back to Vipassana? Should I go back to my old teacher? Uh, should I should I murder my current teacher? That might help. <laughs> I mean, I'm being silly about it, but I'm just saying you will watch what comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes. And then what needs to if you're really hearing what I'm saying, I'm saying be kind to yourself. Meet your confusion where it's at. If you do that, you will stop pushing and you will actually get up off the cushion and, and go have some tea or you might get up off the cushion and go for a walk. But you're watching what move, what's moving. Body, mind are not two different things. They just look like it. And they look vividly like they're separate. This is why we do this. Body, mind, and speech. Body, body speech, and mind coming together. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. But yet we're full of complaints. But, but the intention is is not to fight with that, but to generate uh, bodhicitta, or the mind of awakening, or to tie into something that is not even our property, that uh, is our birthright. You can do that, but you can't do it by covering up the feeling. You can't do it by some artificial getting better approach. You have to do it with awareness and, um, and forms. And the form that I've set up is one of them is block setting and all the other forms that I, uh, some of them are traditional that I learned from the tradition, from the Zen tradition, from the Kagi tradition, from the Shambhala tradition. And some of them are forms that I've stopped using. Some are forms that I've kind of invented based on trying to find a way to, in this wild screwball world we're in right now, a way to continue to help people train their minds to see the truth. If you see the truth, it will not feel like an accomplishment. It feels like an accomplishment. You have a ways to go. Further question about that, Teresa? Was it clear or just feel like more gobbledygook? Teresa Bowen. No, no, no more questions. Uh, not, not clear, but that's that's okay. <laughs> Bowen. Glad I could help you.
Katie Bowling. Go ahead, Katie. You were talking earlier. You were talking earlier about um, helping people only when they ask. And um, not quite. When wait, stop, 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 stop. Obvious that they're in stop, pain and stop, 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 help. stop. I didn't say help people when they only help people when they ask. I said only help people when they ha when when you have permission. A person may not be in the in the understanding enough to know that they should ask. So if you, but if you're aware of what's happening with you, you will see in a person's dynamic if they have permission. I mean, if they're giving you permission, they're actually are, have have that kind of openness. Usually, if they realize how open they are, and you're able to see what's happening with them, the door will slam shut. Because they don't really want to give you permission, but sometimes the inter interaction between uh, uh, a teacher and a student, and that may be you and your friend, and you don't not necessarily setting yourself up. But if you if you just meet people where they are, you, they they may never say you have my permission. They they may talk to you in such a way that that you do. You might not only have it for ten minutes, but you do have permission to go in and say. Uh, you might say, "I'm just going to make something up." Here. You might say. You know, uh, and you know, you know, it's how we start out with phrase fillers like, you know, or uh, <laughs> I've been thinking <laughs> these phrase phrase fillers. But you, you have a kind of a preamble to going in and then you might say to the person, I think you really it's time that you left uh, your husband. I mean, it might be a really strong thing like that. But there are times when those show up when because of what somebody's telling you, they aren't saying help me with this, but they're saying it in such a way that there's just enough room for that sliver of uh, information to slide in. And you might never mention it again. And if they come back and say, oh, no, I can't do that. Well, I can't do that. Well, I can't do that. And then uh, no response. Make no response. You found, the, you found that little sliver uh, by listening to them where you were able to say that because that's, that's what they kind of needed to hear. But it isn't like a thought pattern that rises for you. Uh, where, yeah, I think I need to say this to them. No, it'll, it'll, if you're present and if you, everything is unreceived, then you are part of dependent origination in an incredibly conscious way. I mean, for a moment, you'll realize you're actually saying something without having any idea what you're saying. And yet you say it and then you kind of set back and, and then the person will come back and then you receive again. No, I can't do that. I can't, I can't leave Bill. Can't do that. But the interesting thing about it, if you just do that, you have entered into an area where dependent origination, where it's because of dependent origination, there has been an opening because you're friends, because you're at least friendly, where that person is on receive. If you are really or is on, uh, uh, is actually producing in such a way because of being in your presence, again, because, 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 there's about 15 million of them. But because you're there and you're on receive, then there's the most possibility that they're going to open enough that you might be able to put your, uh, pro, pro, uh, the what, two cents worth in, two shillings. Uh, you might be able to say that. But then there might be, not be any more permission. And you would stop. You would not say anything anymore. But you've already, you've already entered into their particular personal mandala and, uh, and, and acted uh, because of what you saw was the truth. Does that make some sense to you a little bit? Makes perfect sense. Okay. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Good you mind? No. Um, there's a question from Michael in Kalamazoo. Michael in Kalamazoo. Michael Reed. 
He asks, the world today seems crazy and disheartening. How to find calmness? Uh, look at the crazy, disheartening mind that is showing up. Uh, just look at it. Don't don't accept. Don't reject. Don't look away. And again, I have to say something. That doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. It doesn't mean you shouldn't maybe be, be even even be part of a campaign or or join this or join that or march on Cleveland or whatever you want to do. I'm not trying to control anybody that way, but I'm saying train your mind so anything you do. This is a simple way of putting it. And I'm open for more uh, questions if you have them. If you if you if you still are carrying passion, aggression, ignorance in a way in your own sensorium, your own body mind complex, and your own uh, eight eight consciousnesses in such a way that something is obscured, uh, then there's a possibility if you go into the, an environment where there's a lot of danger and a lot of aggression that is being openly displayed, which we see all over the place in a country that this this is nothing new. If you don't know that, this has been going on for for a long time since the Peloponnesian Wars. Uh, you should check that out um, in the time of the Buddha. So uh, so it's, it just keeps going, coming and going. But what you can do is uh, um, if you're aware of the, this doesn't mean you have to have no aggression or no grasping or no ignoring or shutting down. Just be responsible. Be, be uh, just be that, be that, that, be the negativity you're trying to get rid of. And then the negativity itself falls into a proper relationship to dependent origination, pratija samutpada, which means that it's no longer a sourced as a, it's no longer sourced as an ego who's feeling that way. The ego is starting to diminish, or maybe not diminish, but lose its foothold on, uh, lose its uh, territoriality. It's beginning to, as it says in the, in the Heart Sutra, Mukhe Geko, without walls of the mind. Well, those walls start to, which never were walls, but they just start to become transparent or they collapse or they, or we find that we can walk through walls and uh, everything starts to open up. <clears throat> and in that way, that, uh, that place that you're going to maybe, uh, you know, the Republican National Convention, I don't know where you're going to go, unlikely, but wherever you're going to go, you're, you're responsible for your passion, aggression, and ignorance. So no matter what happens in your environment, uh, you you meet that where it's at and not come in with your own aggression and go to war with them, which is what what's happens quite a bit is the, the people who are more warlike are arm themselves first and grow long beards and, and wear swastikas or whatever and have AK-47s and march on uh, governors of Michigan, I think it was. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's this startling thing. And then that triggers the anger in the people who would never think of doing that themselves, but kind of want to fight back in kind. It's just the very nature of, it's the very nature of warfare. Uh, go, go read uh, what Wikipedia says about the Peloponnesian War. And you'll see the same things going on. And uh, what, what was that? 400 and, 483 BC, something like that. Or the rise and fall of the Roman Empire is another one. Go ahead. Kevin Bowing. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, to that notion of uh, negativity continuing through the ages, I don't know if you recently saw an article about how Philip Gustin, the painter, was meant to have a retrospective this year, but because his show 
depicts hooded figures that are, you know, comical spins on the KKK. Mm-hmm. The the museums have pulled it until after the end of the next presidential <laughs> period. So for four years, well, yeah, what what's happening there? <laughs> I, I, uh, what's so, happening? What's happening there is uh, ignorance and control and manipulation, and uh, it always shows up in the arts because the arts are that's a, that's an open dimension and that's it's a spiritual dimension. I mean, it might not always look like it because people make a lot of money and everything, but it's uh, it, uh, Philip Guston was a uh, uh, he, he didn't have uh, the the benefit of having a. Um, a spiritual guide, but he was, he was on a spiritual path. Uh, um, that shows up lots of different ways. Sometimes they have, they're on a spiritual path, but they don't have any help. So therefore they, they end up like Van Gogh, um, you know, was incredibly gifted. And yet because of his own difficulty with his own thought patterns, his mind and not knowing how to handle passion, aggression, and ignorance ended up killing himself uh, standing in front of uh, one of his greatest paintings or crows over a cornfield. He just finished it. So, but Gustin had a hard time. Uh, if you read his, uh, if you read his uh, biography, uh, uh, night studio written by his, uh, uh, his daughter had a difficult time. So is it, so you say that the arts are particularly susceptible to manipulation, ignorance, and control. Is that <clears throat> the kind of corporatized mentality that's yeah. trying to make material a, a spiritual yeah. endeavor? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, yes, it is. It's trying to materialize it. It's more materialism, more materialism. The very word uh, corporation means a body. Means they're trying to embody, trying to make what they're trying to take everything that's out there that is uh, coming and going, especially uh, uh, artistic production. That's that's something people like. They pay money for. There's fame there, and if they can get a hold of that, uh, they'll make money on it. And, and and they don't generally don't share it. If they do, they do it with foundations, so they get a lot of credit, and they continue to make their uh, um, make their evil products, whatever they may be you know, Boeing 707s or uh, AK-47s. And those are dependently risen too. They're not, not blaming not even the, the, the people who rise to be oligarchs. It's not, it's not their fault that they're, they are obliterated by their own greed for power. It's dependently risen, but they've had no help from someone, and there might not have been any openness. The force of their karma might be so intense that they can't they can't see it. All they see is what they want, and they want it fulfilled. And then if they're supported by their family, or by the society, or by, by uh, whatever it may be, then um, it just becomes a uh, more uh, more difficulty, more samsara, hell realm, jealous god realm. All, the six realms show up all over the place. You can you can see them if you get acquainted with those states of mind. You can just you can not only watch them in yourself uh, as you get upset about something or grasping for something or rejecting something, uh, or uh, a lot of pride shows up over something you've done or are affiliated with. Some people live their practically their entire life in the in the heaven realm. 
as a as a as a uh, deva until they lose something that they thought was permanent, like uh, a six-year-old child. That's that's the end of the. Then they go immediately into hell. A state of mind is what I'm saying. You were speaking before about accountability in regards to someone who's committed a crime. Yes. But it seems that a lot of people want artists to be accountable for what they make as if the creative act was a crime. How does an artist work with the, the demand for accountability when you might not even be able to articulate why yeah. or what you made? So I, I would, I think it's, it's situational. There are times when there's times when it, when you're able to do that, when, when things are, uh, the causes and conditions are flowing where you, or that's not particularly an issue. And may, it might be some of it, some of somewhat of an issue, but wouldn't, wouldn't arise in the form of a, of a question like this. But so I think it's situational. It's uh, just relative truth, uh, running rampant this way and that way and up and down, back and forth. And, and it gets, uh, and the culture, just like, uh, we have a, we have a, an oligarch rises for some causes and conditions rises in this place. And suddenly all these people that used to be uh, kind of uh, uh, able to cooperate and get along with their differences, suddenly uh, the unexamined oligarchs in uh, 40% of the population suddenly see a leader and they get to uh, vicariously live through that leader. And that feels uh, stronger to the self-centeredness than the truth, which is uh, the truth would be this could be difficult. But as far as art goes, do you have a specific uh, situation that might be a, uh, something I could address, perhaps, if you have one? Well, uh, personally, I, I've written a, a, a screenplay. I wrote it a while ago, and one of the main characters in it is Black. And now that this kind of relative cultural moment has arisen, uh, there, it's getting some like pushback or scrutiny. I mean, it's nothing in particular like incendiary about what what happens in it. And so, I even meant I, my my therapist was like, "Well, just don't make it a black person. Just make it any other person of color, and then you won't have to deal with that hassle." <laughs> so, uh, thank God for therapists. Like, <laughs> I said, "Thank God for therapists." <laughs> yeah. Right. So I just wonder, like, to what degree I'm responsible for the reaction that may arise from a, 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 an art object. Well, you're, you're completely responsible. You're completely responsible. But, but that doesn't mean blame. It just means that you actually can respond to that. You can actually, you can actually respond to the sparks that fly when you, uh, when you strike things together. So you, you, you just, but that doesn't mean blame uh, and it doesn't mean credit. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a narrow uh, kind of, uh, it's narrow from the point of view of relative truth and it's vast and open from the point of view of the Mahayana or Bodhicitta or the open way. So if you start to clamp down and control and, and not be responsible for this, but be responsible for that, but I'm going to accept this, but I'm not going to accept that, start to dice it up and pick and choose. Uh, this is not Bodhicitta. And this is not the Mahayana or the open way. So I would just say if it shows up in the form of a person talking to you, 
uh, directly in, in your face. Just just appreciate them. And this doesn't mean agree. You, you could say, uh, it just looks different over here. So I see, I kind of see what you're saying, but it just, just looks different. And then if that doesn't, uh, if that isn't, uh, sometimes all people are looking for is just some kind of a response. They want to, uh, want you to want to know that you really see that their their uh, uh, indictment of your situation or their review uh, these days you'd call it a review of something maybe uh, you could just be appreciative and say you might say you might even lie you might you might think uh, this person you, your your actual feeling might be oh this is a ridiculous this person's an idiot that might be how you feel but instead of Doing that, you would be re responsible for your how you feel. The person's an idiot, but you would you would uh, you would um, uh, meet that person where they're where they're at, and uh, and just relate to them and just uh, say, yeah, I appreciate your feedback. You know, I mean, keep it very simple. It's best to pacify. You know, of the four uh, the four karmas: pacifying, enriching, magnetizing, destroying, which we've studied somewhat. Pacifying is the one to stick with as long as you can. But then if somebody somebody starts to come at you with weapons, you might have to do something else. But don't validate or invalidate or any any artistic production is uh, is totally uh, it is uh, it is totally personal and totally universal at the same time. So I I would not change the skin color. I mean, if you were writing a commercial for a uh, for uh, you know uh, some kind of skin cream or something like that, then you might want to. Uh, listen to what the therapist said, but in this in this situation, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. That character is in integral to whatever you're writing. Go ahead, if you have it. My last question is to the point of intent uh, or intention. There's a kind of relative uh, slogan that's being bandied about: intent versus impact. That one's intention doesn't outweigh the relative impact that is felt by others. Can you speak to that intent versus impact? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, can you get, can you characterize it a little, can you give me a cartoon of it or something? Yeah, so, so that like maybe a, I don't know, a, a white person showed up to a, a protest really wanting to like, like help but then they held a sign that wasn't really appropriate or uh, did, did something that caused emotional harm to the, the people that they had intended to help or support, or they may have like sucked the air out of the room uh, by trying to quote unquote help. The intention was to help and to be there, but the impact was actually negative. So like if a, a white person came to a, a rally and said, some of my best friends are black. Yeah, exactly. That kind of, yeah. Um, I, I would think uh, there again, it's, I think it's situational. It depends on if you're, it's situational. So if you're, if you're that person's, uh, if that person came with you or if that person is standing next to you, uh, I mean, you, you could be very direct with it. I mean, if you have their attention and uh, which is part of the permission uh, start out by saying anything where about you from or excuse me uh, looking at their age might be different uh, if there are other people with them uh, it, um, I think interacting and, and, and getting a personal feeling for who they are uh, in some way 
uh, it might show up in some some way if you're just on receive, if you're just not shutting down on the sign and shutting down on the person uh, so that you're just operating out of your judgment of that, which this is not going to work. You might realize that the person to see what's what the intention is there. The person might be intending for it not to work. It might be a deliberate monkey wrench rather than a, a mistaken one. So maybe uh, finding that out first. And then if it's if it seems like this is a deliberate, then then you could you could be more deliberate because you're you're getting permission from the relative situation that's showing up in front of you, which doesn't mean go to war, but it just means uh, that sign might not work. Yeah, something right. like that. Yeah, sign. That's helpful. Yeah. In, in going back to Philip Gustin, he was a person who was showing. It seems he was reflecting through mirror-like wisdom his world showing these like violent images yes. or these clan members. Yes. And now 40 years later, like his intent may well have been to be with all things and to reflect clearly the world. But now people look at that and they just say, Oh, it's a hooded figure. It's yeah. we have got, we've got to get rid of that. So the impact of his clear seeing might well be received as negative. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I guess that was what I was yeah. really thinking So about. receiving, uh, if you're actually receiving uh, and you're a human being, a living being, and, and if, you're, you're, uh, and if your um, intent is, uh, is to be with all things uh, as, as a bodhisattva or as an enlightening being, then you won't know whether uh, it's good or bad. You just won't know. You, you, we won't know. You, you just see a... Um, a little cartoon white fee, uh, figure with a with a pointed hat in a in a in a cartoon car. Those are great paintings. <laughs> but but people then put on top of it. Uh, people are looking for reference points that supports their view about the negativity, that supports their view of whatever nationalism, white nationalism, black nationalism, pink nationalism. Any kind of positionality is not going to work, uh, including uh, patriotism. Uh, sometimes when people, my dad, uh, in, uh, who was 26 years old when he was killed in Germany, um, you know, my my relationship to that is a, he, I know he didn't want to go. So, I, you know, should we thank him for his service? Yeah, thank you for dying, dad. You know, and I went in the Marine Corps not knowing what this was all about and, and was there, but and had to find out uh, first uh, firsthand. And then my, my son, Austin, who I'd be shocked if he was watching this. My other son, uh, Mason, is, was here a while ago. I think he might, may still be here. But I mean, it's not the it's not right and wrong. That's so so much extra. We're relating any human being is relating to relative truth as it appears for them, and then they out of their their defensiveness or their supportiveness or their agreement or disagreement. That's why I say don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away, don't agree with it, don't disagree with it, and don't because you're probably uh, agreeing with your concept of it rather than the actual thing. If you actually fundamentally agree with anything, you're not separate from it. This is true agreement. If you're not, if you really, really see that something is a, a, a horrible, then the only way you can understand that is to not separate yourself from the horror. If you separate yourself from the horror, then, then you're, you're then there, then you relate to the horror as a, as a concept of what happened to the, uh, to the uh, the Russians uh, and what what uh, Stalin did to his uh, uh, starving all of his people back in the 1930s. You, you look at it as a concept. One from Joseph in Kalamazoo. 
Last night, my brother, who lives in eastern Oregon, volunteered that he was thinking about going to Portland to have some fun with idiots. What does permission look like? Who's asking this? Joseph in Kalamazoo. The way it looks, I wouldn't do much with it. I think it's still situational. I wouldn't I wouldn't break off anything. You have somebody saying something. It's hard to say fundamentally what they even mean by that. So I would give it a lot of room before you come to any conclusion about anything. The conclusion that we come to needs to come out of a clear seeing of dependent origination. And that can just, not that you have, you're particularly enlightened, but you can actually see that it's a much deeper situation than just, you shouldn't do this, or you should do this, or uh, or jump in there too soon, so that you actually prevent the person's native or original uh, intelligence from seeing clearly what this is. Have to be respectful of people's confusion. So, because there's always the possibility that even though confusion is showing up, uh, sometimes called patience, um, the person's not even sharing something with you, uh, might be sharing something with you because they expect a certain kind of response, which may actually help them go further into their labyrinth of confusion. I say, oh, I say this over and over again. I don't mean that, that, that if somebody's uh, stabbing their neighbor, you shouldn't do something. But I'm saying less is better. Slow down. Slow down. Trying to get, uh, trying to think that there should be this outcome and that, not that outcome. Very nature of confusion. We do it all the time. We're always judging and evaluating and coming to stupid conclusions. When I say stupid, I don't mean to be critical. I just mean to be descriptive. The last question comes from Yelena in New York. Why not? When it comes to people who commit crime, such as murder, rape, etc., what would holding them accountable instead of punishing them look like? Should they not be in prison? Well, you know, I'd have to go off into some kind of, a, well, let's see here. We could do this. We could do that. I would have to. I, I think they could bring together uh, some kind of a council, which the councils aren't the greatest things to uh, sometimes, but some kind of a mutuality. And uh, there's something called restorative justice. I know you've heard about that probably, but that ha that's on the right track, I think. Um, that kind of bringing the, the so-called wrongdoer and the so-called so uh, uh, right receiver uh, together in such a way that you can see if there isn't some way you can handle that. If somebody is abusing someone else, there might be areas there where they, they have to be confined, but we don't have to confine them in a, I mean, if someone is a, um, murdering people and rather than looking at, rather than just saying, well, is that person did it? We have to lock them up. We have to hang them. It's a, it's an insane primitive way of, of working with society. We have to be respectful of the confusion rather than just, uh, blame people for it. It's not that they didn't do it, but the causes and conditions that arose for that person to, uh, rape someone or, or to, to, I mean, are, are just undiscoverable. But what we could do is use what I sometimes sometimes called uh, just the leading edge of the situation, which is this crime and that person, and we can meet it where it's at and have a discussion with it and see because every person who say rapes or every person who say uh, does this or that or the other thing, there's all kinds of karma behind that. Some people actually rape because they've been raped and they don't know how else to. And as you know, I'm sure you all know, sexual uh, energy is extremely powerful. 
I mean, it just goes, it bypasses the, the, the an apparent self and the seventh consciousness uh, as, as someone and goes into something. I have to have that. And to, to ignore that whole thing and just take this person, uh, there's like a little box of Kleenex and put them in a box and lock it. They're not a box of Kleenex. You just locked up the Buddha, even though they were raping or even though you can't do that. And when I say you can't, of course you can. You can do it anything you want. It's a relative situation. Peloponnesian War, rise and fall of the Roman Empire, the rise of Nazi Germany, uh, the, the, the dismantling of, uh, of this democracy. So anything can happen because it's dependently arisen. So I'll, I'll paint a little bit of a picture here rather than go on too much about it. You could actually see that every single rape Every single murder has different kinds, so they should probably be treated differently. Some people, uh, like Charles Manson from the 1960s, that murdering person, uh, some people are just completely insane, and, and they get their insanity by refueling their the fact that they're locked up and the fact that they're they're evil and they're and they like it, and that's a, just a, the other end of a, egocentrism is a is the king of hell. I like it. I'm in, I'm in hell, and we and I intend to continue. So that person, you might have to put them off to one side, but then to allow the people to interact with other inmates and prisoners and so on, that's not a good idea. You could actually be be uh, meet it where it's at and be selective about it and see this person. The best thing for this person is to not have any reading material, uh, but uh, uh, classical works, no music, but uh, Mozart. I mean, if you're going to control them, well, then let's let's control them. If they've done something that's horrid, rather than put them in a in a hell realm and and perpetuate that, because that consciousness is coming back again with more knives and guns. So we're because of the ignoring of dependent origination, in the form of thinking that people are real. I'm not saying they don't appear real, but they're not as real as we think, and and that whole area is. Uh, is ignored. You could actually treat that, treat the confusion with respect. That's what I mean when I say meet people in their confusion so that if there is a possibility, there's a little sliver of doorway, like I was talking to Katie about earlier, uh, you'll be there and you'll see that there's just a brief time when you could say, you probably shouldn't leave your husband. And that they won't do it, but that you, but you said that at the exact time when there was enough openness in there where they, that could be a consideration. And that might go into the chemistry of the dependent origination that is arising in the form of their thought forms that they think are true and their thought forms that they think are false and the thought forms that they're having that they think that are thoughts about what you're thinking about, what they're thinking about, what you're thinking. And I'm not kidding you. We do that. You, you, you will know this yourself. You won't just have listen to an old man saying it if you train your mind. So, but you could take somebody who's uh, one person who is, uh, one person you might even say who's really harmed a lot of people, say raped or killed people, rather than do something with them, you could sit down and have them read the biographies and the stories of all these people. Read about these. That's all, only input what they get for the next 10 years or whatever is, is stories. That's all they get. They don't get the news. They don't get to watch CNN and cheer uh, the other crazy people in the world on. So you're going to lock them up, actually do it in such a way that it's actually fundamentally helpful. And beyond that, I don't know what I would say about it.
can dedicate here. Okay. From the monastery. In the monastery, okay. So that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Kill everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and kill them with life. 